at 2 a.m. on September 13, 2013, Tiffany Witten entered a Walmart in Marietta, Georgia with the intention to shoplift various items. However, once confronted by security, she flees the scene and is never seen again. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Tiffany Witten. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in Georgia. I am your host, Arlo. And amazingly, the man sitting across the table that didn't giggle this time. It was hard. It was hard. That's what she said. <laughs> is the man, the myth, the legend, the coach. Yeah, buddy. Coach, I'm going to have to be honest with you. Uh, I had the Labor Day funk this week. Oh, is that right? Yeah, a little sinus infection, you know. Oh. Every, You know, the last two years I've gotten the Labor Day funk. Well, I mean... Once school starts, yeah. that's, that's like a damn, it's like, it's it's like a, a petri shoot. dish, man. It is, it's, it's a, a petri shoot. dish. Of just, I'm going to drop my husband off at work, and then is he going to come back ill, or is he going to come back with influenza? Yeah. But let's not talk about that horse shit. Nobody cares about your sickness. All we care about is... I'm down with the sickness. All we care about is the beer, my friend. That's right. And we, we got a special... Twofer today. Twofer, twofer. Yeah, because, Actually, a threefer. Well, yeah. We have our threefer. own standby. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we're we going to have to always have the bearded iris with us. We we really, really liked it. So, we have we do have bearded iris, uh, homestyle IPA. But since this case is in Marietta, Georgia, I figured a Marietta brewery would be um, appropriate. And we have red hair. Uh, we got the classic Pilsner. I got a mix pack. I got a classic Pilsner, and I also have their Gangway IPA. Sweet. Not too bad. Not too bad. Red hair is one of uh. Well, I I don't know. I keep saying one of my every time every every beer is one of my favorite beers. I've not found I one yet that I don't uh, like. That may be a precursor to our problem. I think that that might be a, explaining a whole lot, yeah. but it's definitely a great brewery in Georgia. And if you happen to be in the Marietta area, Marietta area, which is a hard couple and, words to <clears> say, <throat> please check them out. I will say this: that when they first opened, um, there is a restaurant in our in my hometown, not coaches, but uh, in my hometown that went down to see the brewery, and he said that he walked in. So there was a guy on the ladder hanging sheetrock, and uh, he was like, hey, man, is there, do y'all have tours? And uh, the guy said, yeah, hold on just a second. And he, like, screwed some sheetrock in there, put a lid on the, the sheetrock mud, you know, went into the little area behind him, come back out, said, how can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> and it was the owner of the brewery. Uh, that's how down to earth he was. And so... If you ever do get a chance to go down to Red Hair, they do a lot of uh, a lot of things around the brewery and around the the town of Marietta. They're real good. They're good people. You know, they come from good stock over there at the Red Hair. You know, I got a I got a funny story kind of similar to that. Um, a friend of mine and I went to Greenville, South Carolina, just 
just for the hell of it. We were just out of college and just went out there and, you know, just to hang out. So we went, we called ahead. We called ahead and, uh, to a brewery called Thomas Creek. And we talked to a man and we said, Hey, we're coming up there tomorrow. Is there any way we can set up a tour? And he said, Yeah, man, we'll set up a tour. What time are you thinking? I said, How about two o'clock? He said, That's great, man. I got you penciled in for two o'clock. You and, uh, you and your buddy just come on down. We'll have you a tour. We'll give you, we'll give you the works. We said, All right, cool. The next day we show up at two o'clock. We just walk in and they are busy. They are brewing. They're bottling. They're, they're doing everything they can in this horribly busy brewery. And we just walk in and we're like, hey, man, we're here for the tour. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, we called yesterday and uh, set up a tour. And they said, son of a bitch, Ed did it again. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, what? That son of a bitch, he answers the phone. He does it. He's, he'll, he'll mark down tours. He doesn't tell a soul. <laughs> <laughs> and so literally, like, and he goes, so like most of the time you know a working brewery you don't want people just walking around so they just like pawned us off on this guy that wasn't very busy they're like hey you just want to hang out with him and talk about beer and we're like hell yeah yeah and they gave us like six free beers we sat just sat around talking to these guys for like two hours drank like six beers it was it was amazing it was better than any tour i've ever been on (laughs) well i will have to say you know last week's episode we talked about how fosters we thought we were the big Big man on campus when we were kids, or not kids, but when we were younger. Basically kids. Yeah. But I was uh, talking with my son and explained to him how growing up now, you are in the golden age of beer. Yeah, I mean, if there, If you can imagine it, it's out there. So, I mean, there. a friend of mine texted me drinking, uh, like, cheesecake beer, and then there's, like, Fruity Pebbles beer, and there's... uh vanilla milkshake i mean any style pineapple jalapeno i saw in the store the other day yeah there's mango habanero there's spicy beer there's sweet beer there's sour beers i mean there is it's it's literally a buyer's market man anything you can think of it's kind of like the rule of pornography anything you're into it's out there it's out there somewhere was it i think it's rule 32 i think don't quote me on that yeah i'm not so sure yeah but you know if if you're into it it's out there it could be all right, as Coach alluded to in our opening, we are discussing Wait, the... wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Let's not talk about the case. Oh, right sorry, now. sorry. Let's talk about the fact that my Twitter is kicking your Instagram's yes, ass. Yes, it is. We have taken off. We have 50 followers now. <laughs> Just blew right past you. Because, I did not know this because I don't know a whole lot about Twitter, but podcasters take care of podcasters, man. It's really cool. Like, um... We got a shout out from uh, two separate people this week that really gained us twenty, almost twenty some followers in like two days. Which I mean might not sound like much to you know like an Ashton Kutcher who's got fifty million fucking followers, but to us it's pretty cool. Uh, Grandma the podcast gave us a shout out as well as True Crime Blogs podcast and the Golden State Killer. Both of them gave us uh, shout-outs, and we truly appreciate that. And uh, I'm 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 enjoying immensely the community that's building around podcasters and Twitter. I think it's an amazing thing, and I'm pretty glad that I'm doing that rather than the Instagram because you know it clearly is kicking your ass. It is. It is really taking off. <laughs> I have hit the old plateau on the Instagram. 
Uh, we are stagnant at 45. We have uh, launched our email address, mysteriousbrews at gmail.com. Uh, the only thing I'm getting on the mysteriousbrews at gmail.com is two Instagram follower notices. <laughs> so again, if you are... Nobody emails anymore, Grandpa. In the interwebs. Uh, I mean, come on. If you have show critiques, if you have suggestions, please drop us a line. By all means, if you go to Apple iTunes and leave us a five-star review, we will read it. And we do appreciate it. It helps us out tremendously. Hey, everybody. I really do hope you love Mysterious Bruce podcast. Did you know that you can actually get paid just for listening to our podcast? I know it sounds insane, but it's true. We just discovered this free new app called Podcoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcast. Here's how it works. You listen to podcast and you earn Podcoin while you listen. Then you turn that pod coin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or if you're a really good person, you could even donate that pod coin to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do. Go to your app store and download the app on the iPhone or Android. And I have a special code for you. Simply use our code, BruisePod, and you'll get 300 pod coin just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of us on PodCoin, you can get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card on us. So go ahead and go listen to this podcast or virtually any other podcast on PodCoin and sign up with code BRUISEPOD. I swear it'll change the way you listen to podcasts. So Wait. Damn it. <laughs> go ahead. So like Coach alluded to in the opening, we are doing the absolutely astonishing case of Tiffany Michelle Whitten. Um, on September 13th, 2013, after being observed apparently shoplifting, Tiffany was confronted by Walmart loss prevention officers at the store's entrance. And after a brief struggle with them, she ran from the Walmart store on Highway 41, also known as Cobb Parkway in Marietta, Georgia, to never be seen again. She was 26 at the time of her disappearance. And what's weird is a loss prevention uh, specialist, security guard or whatever, they're trained to do certain things to try to keep people from fleeing. And they actually did that. They grabbed this woman's purse. Knowing most people. Most people are, are not, not going to abandon that. a purse. No. So when they confronted her, they grabbed her purse. But unlike most cases, she just says, fuck it. She, she, kicks, she leaves the purse. She kicks her shoes off. And she just takes off running. Yeah, and when I first read about that, I was like, man, that is odd because uh, most people are not going to kick. The... My biggest thing is kicking your shoes off. I could see if you're well, trying to steal something, you stuff something into maybe an empty purse, but. Yeah, but I mean, have you ever tried to run in flip-flops? Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, you ain't running from the law in flip-flops. No. You better take your chances barefoot. And she takes off. She's gone. And I mean, we'll get into the boyfriend. but. Odd. Yeah, very odd, very odd behavior from both parties. And we're going to post a 
Google Maps link that has Latin Lawn on it. Um, and it's going to show the satellite photo of the Walmart so that you can actually get some kind of idea of where the Walmart's at, where some of the other landmarks around that Walmart are located. Um, this actually happened at a at a place that I've driven by yeah, several we've, times. We've both been there. I've actually been in that Walmart. Yeah, more than once. Um, so now we get into a little bit of background information on Tiffany Michelle Whitten. Um, according to her mother. Yeah, I mean her background is just sad. It's a sad story. But it is, but it 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 really struck a chord with me because I've taught kids like Tiffany. Oh, I have too. Absolutely. And I've been able to. Well, I've seen both sides of it. I've seen kids like Tiffany where you get a hold of the parents and you work with the parents and you turn that kid to where they graduate. Yeah, absolutely. And then you see those kids where you just, you, you can't, it doesn't matter. There's nothing. Yeah, there, I've seen kids where there's nothing you can do. No. And, You're and not going to save them. The one thing I will have to say about Tiffany's mother is the fact that in all the interviews she's done, you can tell... She tried extremely hard. She did. With I Tiffany. mean, honestly, and she, from all the research that I, I did on the case, is she is extremely open to any type of interview, any type of podcast. We personally could have contacted her. And she would have talked and to us. And she would have talked to us. Yes. But we, we did not do that. No. Um, I didn't, simply because we didn't want, we definitely want to bring um, publicity to the case. We want people to know about it people to be aware of it but we didn't want to be the people that kind of drummed up the the the, the bad feelings and all that because i mean you you talk about your missing daughter and i mean honestly this this didn't happen on purpose but it's september 13th you know we're it's september 6th when we're recording i mean we're right on the the cusp of the fifth year anniversary of her disappearance it is and it's it's sad. In every interview that I saw, read about, listened to with Lisa Daniels is her mother's name. She is extremely, extremely strong in her convictions. And actually, once we get to the to the part of our recommendations, I'm actually going to recommend a podcast. Yes. That uh, sworn. Yes. I'll recommend it later again, but. She does an interview on there, and actually, the the, the chief of police and the head detective and the assistant all, and the assistant district attorney all do interviews on this podcast, and it's it's very well done. But I, I can't speak highly enough about Lisa Daniels as yeah, a person, absolutely. as a as a father of a teenager. I I can honestly say that I hope. That if something similar to that happened to my child, that I was I would be half as strong as she's been. Now Lisa would go on record saying that Tiffany was a rambunctious child growing up. She had a tendency to be a little bit of a klepto. She would take things that were not hers. She um, Lisa would find things in Tiffany's room and ask her about it, and she'd be like, "Oh, someone gave it to me," and so she. You know, she knew there was some things going on there. Tiffany did drop out of school in the 10th grade. 
uh, due to an unexpected pregnancy. She gave that child up for adoption and would later state that it permanently scarred her. You know, not having Tiffany to talk to, this may have been the turning point in her life. By 2008, she had another child and been, and had unfortunately became addicted to Oxycontin. That same year, she was caught shoplifting at a Walmart a pair of flip-flops. Um, she would bounce from job to job, basically going between waitressing and bartending at the local Hooters and waitressing at an IHOP basically across Cobb Parkway from the Walmart that she would ultimately go missing from. In March of 2011, she was arrested for a home invasion north of Marietta in a town called Dalton, Georgia. She would... (laughs) Which I am very familiar (laughs) with. She would tell authorities that the person that owned the house had taken $60 from Tiffany, and she was just trying to get it back. Investigators in that case stated that they believe Tiffany had paid the the homeowner $60 for some drugs, and the homeowner did not deliver. Uh, She was sentenced to a short jail term late in 2012, and uh, it's at that time Lisa, her mom, would state that uh, she took Tiffany's daughter and explained to Tiffany that she could visit her daughter, but she would not allow her to take her back until she was completely off drugs and had turned her life around. She did complete a drug rehab program after her release from prison and found employment at an IHOP in Marietta. Tiffany wound up being kicked out of an apartment that she was in by her roommate when her roommate caught her stealing from her. Um, It is about this time that she met a man named Ashley Caudill, known to his friends as Red. He was raising a young daughter of his own. Um, Unfortunately, the two began a toxic relationship that centered around meth and uh, Tiffany would go from meth to heroin. Red is on record stating that he did not use heroin and only became aware of Tiffany's usage when he caught her suffering from withdrawals one morning. This is a tumultuous relationship. They actually lived at an extended stay motel together where police were called uh, numerous times for extremely loud arguments between the two. There's not really any police evidence or arrests made because of the arguments. Police were called several times. They would ultimately, Red and her would ultimately relocate to a trailer park and it's at that trailer park that they were evicted due to several domestic violence calls. And unfortunately, IHOP would terminate her employment due to several things, including Tiffany showing up extremely late for a shift, coming to work high, coming in with fresh track marks on her arms, and the 
you know, the straw that broke the camel's back would be that she was caught stealing from the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, all that did not constitute them firing her. Like, she came up with fresh track marks, and they still kept her around. I mean, that, that's that's pretty crazy to me, but... Yeah, once you steal from the business, they're going to send you packing. For yeah. sure. And it, it really is a downward spiral at this at this time. And, you know, unfortunately, anybody that has had any dealings with meth, well, you know, once you get started on that, that unfortunate train. I mean, the sad, the sad fact, especially in the South, the sad fact of life is we pretty much all know somebody that's been lost to this shit. Whether it be meth, whether it be opioids, whether it be whatever. We all know somebody. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, the oxy is just a gateway to, ultimately, to meth. And there's not a lot of people that jump from meth to heroin. That is a huge, well, huge I jump. Mean, it's different, different things. You know, oxy and, and heroin are downers. Meth is an upper. It's just, you know, people start chasing whatever high they like, and they they just lose themselves in it. I mean, I know for a fact, I know I've had several, at least acquaintances. Not, I'm very glad to say not very close friends, but I've had several acquaintances that have just, you know, I had I knew one guy that was on heroin, and he finally decided to kick it. He said, man, I, he goes, he told his close friends, he's like, I can't take this anymore. I got to go get help. Went to rehab, and he died in rehab because they didn't give him the proper mix of methadone or whatever, and he started having bad withdrawals or whatever you want to say, and he actually he actually expired. So it's just it's just bad news. I mean, it is. I worked with a gentleman who was a phenomenal, phenomenal coach, and uh, unfortunately tried it one time, and you know the rest basically is history. But uh, he, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately. Fortunately, this man has turned his life around and is is doing much, much better. Who, your friend? Acquaintance. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the boyfriend for some reason. I was no, like, no, no. no, he has not. No. <laughs> um, getting back on track. Excuse me. Um, Red, and I will refer to him as Red. That's what his friends called him, and it's just going to be easier for us going through here to refer to him as that his real name is Ashley Caudle. It's just a toxic relationship where they're dependent on each other because they're always doing drugs together, unfortunately. And, and though I agree and they do become dependent on each other, that makes what the actions of him at the incident seem very strange. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of what the fuck. Yes. And we're about to get into those. Yeah, we're going to get into some hardcore stuff. We get to where she has lost her job at IHOP, and it's at this time her mother, Lisa, would cut communication with Tiffany. Tiffany would basically reach out to her grandmother. Uh, Her grandmother's name is Anita Boyette. Um, And Anita would allow Tiffany to use her address as her mailing address. She would allow Tiffany... Red and Red's daughter to come to her house and stay um, and do laundry. And it is actually on September 8th that her grandmother sees her for the last time when Tiffany shows up to do laundry. 
That is my birthday. September 8th. And it sure is. Sure is. Imagine that. Uh-huh. All right, so we get into the actual disappearance. On September 12th, which happens to be my brother's birthday, uh, Tiffany and Red would go to a friend's house, and his name is Stephen Weinstein, where they would partake in a lot of illicit drugs. And shortly after midnight on September 13th, they would borrow Mr. Weinstein's pickup truck to go to Walmart. Around 1 a.m., they would arrive at the Walmart and begin shopping. Um, There are several steals from Walmart's security cameras showing both of them walking around in the store for almost an hour. Uh, The Walmart Loss Prevention Office would state that they both appeared to be high, especially Tiffany. She was not able to stand still even when she was looking at merchandise. Uh, She would continuously take clothes off the shelves, replace them. She would follow behind Red, and he was basically picking out some clothes for his daughter, and I think he picked up a portable speaker at that time. The loss prevention officers came to believe that uh, Tiffany had concealed some clothes in her purse that she meant to shoplift. And this is something that she did quite often at Walmart. According to Red and according to the the actual security footage, it's around 2 a.m. that Red tells Tiffany that they need to leave because he's got to be somewhere. Um, this created a loud argument between herself and Red and and they started approaching the exit. They would go to the self-checkout He would uh, purchase some clothes and a speaker, and he paid cash. She basically walks around him and heads for the exit. He is exiting the Walmart and has already made, I guess he's already made it to the actual sliding doors of the Walmart when on video you can see the loss prevention come out of their office and they approach her, and she is stopped. Yeah, and she calls out for him. Yes, he. And she hollers. He, he just keeps on walking. Right. She hollers out, red, red, and then eventually she yells, Ashley, and it's at that time he turns around. And it's at this time that you can see the loss prevention employees for Walmart grab her purse. And this is, like you stated, common practice for a lot of loss prevention officers with uh, businesses, they will grab a hold of yeah, an they, item. They try not to grab a hold of the person to try to avoid a violent conflict. They're going to try to grab a hold of something that they want. And and when it comes to women, that purse is going to be very important. Yes, so. it is. When they grab a hold of her purse strap, it's not very long after that that she hollers for him, and then she is seen on video kicking off her shoes she lets go of her purse, and she takes off. She bolts for the door. You can see Red looking at the employees. He does not make an attempt to stop her. The employees did not pursue her. And basically, this is the last time she is ever seen. And that, his actions there, I mean, still are just so strange to me. Because even if... You know, he he wasn't he wouldn't be in any, any trouble. He didn't do anything. He didn't steal anything. 
But to just abandon your girlfriend like that. Yeah, and there's an article in Esquire magazine that I suggest you read that the author does a great job, and we'll get more into this later, but he would state to the guy writing that article that he he was really kind of in shock of what was going on at the time, but at the same time, he is known to be trafficking drugs. He has a wad of cash on him. So he's really not trying to draw attention to himself. We get into the fact that this is September the 14th, 2013. September the 13th? I'm sorry, September 13th, 2013. Get um, your shit straight, I'm bro. sorry. Come on, man. I'm sorry, man. Here is the first, well, I wouldn't say the first, but maybe the third. What the fuck? It would not be until January 14th that she is reported missing by her mother. Yeah, that is so strange. I mean, her mom, you know, like you said earlier, she seems to be very caring. She's very determined to find her daughter, but to not report her missing for four months? Yeah, and that's crazy. It is crazy, and I will say this. um, But, I mean, her her daughter is on drugs. And she's thrown down the gauntlet, and she has thrown yeah. an ultimatum on her daughter yeah. that she's got to get clean. She th- she's thrown the old tomato. Yeah. <laughs> and just like we had referenced in the in an interview with the podcast, Sworn, uh, Lisa states that Tiffany had gone missing for months at a time before. Yeah, but I mean to miss Halloween, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and New Year's, and New Year's. I yeah, mean, I, that's a huge. On. I'm going to go on a that's on a limb. Huge, that's like four. What yeah, the fuck? Like, how do you not? That's four because how do you not contact your family on any of those holidays? I can say okay, Halloween. Halloween, yeah, yeah, whatever. But Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. Yeah, between. I mean, come on. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's, if you've not heard from your daughter and she's not come by to check on her daughter, yeah. There's a huge what the fuck going on right there. Now, we get into a situation, and I will say this is a plethora of what the fucks. Basically, sometime in November, there is a letter sent from the law firm that represents Walmart. And they send this letter to the address... On Tiffany's license, which is which, her grandmother's. Right, yeah. which is her mailing address, which is her grandmother's address. And the grandmother doesn't even bat an eye because she's seen these letters before. But what's funny to this letter is the letter is seeking $150 in restitutions for items that Tiffany had supposedly stolen. Which was what, like, tw- it was approximately $20. I was going to, yeah, I've, I've seen anywhere from $20 to a $14 tank top. Yeah, something like that. So, why is it all of a sudden more? Yeah, but my thing is, and and doing a little bit of research, that Walmart does this. They send these letters out stating that they will not seek civil restitution for the uh, amount that they have set in the letter. But in this case, she didn't actually steal it. Yeah, they caught her. Yeah, they caught her there. They got the items back. So I, that whole. That's a whole weird hell. We could probably do a a podcast on how many times have has Walmart stuck it to someone that didn't actually steal anything. 
Walmart has her purse. Walmart has her license. So they have the address. Um, my biggest question is, why is Walmart seeking $150 in restitution for a $14 top? That's a good question, and there, there's no answer to that, though. Right. But they are going to hang on to the purse. They just figure, like... Yeah, and I saw in an article, and maybe you can touch on this. I'm sorry, but he's not very good upstanding citizen. So, Piece of Shit Red states hmm. that he really wished he could have grabbed that purse because it was a coach purse. Dude, your fucking girlfriend is missing. Why are you worried about a coach purse? Yeah, and how does a man even know what a coach purse is worth? Right. I have no clue. I couldn't tell you right now. Yeah, as many just many me just said, fuck him. Um, <laughs> I'm on the fence on this this whole situation, reporting or missing, not reporting or missing. Um, on one hand, she's your daughter. If you hadn't heard from her during the holidays, report her ass missing. On the other hand, and this is what Lisa would state in several interviews. Um, she's stated with several news channels in Atlanta, CBS 46, I think it's WXIA 11 Alive, and also on the uh, podcast that we referenced, Sworn, she is stating, along with the grandmother, that you know they didn't really think a whole lot about it because Tiffany had gone on long drug binges before. She is still on parole from those 2011 charges. And at the same time, she's probably trying to stay low because since she's on parole, if they are looking for for an attempted shoplifting charge, she doesn't want to violate that parole. But this is where I'm on the fence. At the same time, I'm turning my daughter in because at least I know she's safe. Uh, well, that's true. I mean, a see, here's here's where we can't relate. We don't know because we've never done it. No, my daddy at but this time. I am four months, forty plus, and my daddy is sixty plus right now. My daddy, I'm still scared of my father. He, if I thought he he knew I stole a three cent piece of gum, he would still beat my ass. I know, but I, well, I understand that. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I, we don't have any re- point of reference to how long a drug binge goes, but <laughs> how long does a drug binge last? I mean, four months. I know. I, I I just that's. I mean, that sounds like. I mean, if it, anyone out there that has been on a drug binge, let us know. Yeah. With the typical amount of time, but that to me that sounds like a very long time. You would at some point be concerned about your daughter. It's at this time that Lisa calls Red, and so you're looking at November. Let's just say Thanksgiving. So you're looking at two months. Lisa calls Red, and it's at this time that she learns that he's not seen her since September 13th. Mm -hmm. And not only has she ran off that early morning, he's not seen her since. So there's another what the fuck. And then uh, Miss Boyette, her grandmother, informs Lisa that she's going to look at Tiffany's Facebook page and see if she's been active on social media. Tiffany is 
your typical 20-something during this time of 2014. She's extremely active on social media. However, her mother, Lisa, finds that there is nothing, no posts on any social media platform after September the 1st. She is stated on an interview that when she logged on to her Facebook page, there was over a hundred, I guess, instant messages, friend requests, updates, etc. There are messages there that the mom would state indicates that her friends and some of her social acquaintances had not heard from her and were expressing concerns. During the phone call where Lisa is talking to Red, he tells Lisa that he's been calling local jails, hospitals. In the days following her disappearance, he's telling her that he couldn't find her. He's been looking for her, for her, for her. <clears throat> that gangway's kind of uh, hitting me a little hard with the it's fur. It's delicious, her. though. It's good. It's, it's very, good. very good. He's been looking for her. He can't find her. And then basically... It's not until January 14th, let's just say four months, exactly four months from the day she runs out of that Walmart, that Lisa gets the gut feeling, the mother's intuition that something's wrong. I have to say, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean... And yes, we've heard her speak about her daughter, and we both believe that she's genuinely concerned. She genuinely genuinely wants her daughter back. But the fact that she waited that long is crazy to me. It is. It's it's, very crazy to me. It is. And now, I will say this. Even with my what the fuck there, uh, there has been several interviews with Lisa where she has expressed concerns about reporting her missing waiting that long she tells her mother miss boyette that it's around the november timeline where she expresses concerns about well what if i go to the the police and report her missing they're gonna laugh me out of the police station yeah yeah well and that's a great point because she was running from a shoplifting charge. She's already on parole. So if she reports her missing, they're just going to be like, look, you're stupid. She's hiding out from us. Right. And, the and other, that, that's a great point. It is a great point. And I feel for, for Lisa on that situation because she's in a catch-22. Do you go ahead and you know file that missing person's report knowing that you're going to get some kickback from the, the authorities? I say as a parent, Yes, because I I fall back on the situation, and she does in hindsight, and we all know, she feels like that if she had just gone ahead and and reported her missing and they had picked her up, at least she would have known she was safe, whether she was in prison or not. Exactly. She didn't, but, and we also don't know how much that she had been through previously with Tiffany. No, we don't. Like, I mean, everyone, no matter how much you love someone, there's there's a wit's end. Like you, you you're at the end of your rope. I can't take any more from this person. I love her. I'm gonna keep loving her because she's my daughter, but she's put me through so much shit that I just can't do it anymore. So she may have not 
realize the gravity of the situation because she had been through a whole lot of crap. I mean, she has. And I, I really, do, I hope our listeners understand we are not throwing any shade towards Lisa at no, all. Not at all. Not at all. I would hate to have been put in that situation. It, it is, I will say, it is strange she waited so long. It's strange, but not understandable. Right. I understand where I the mean, mom's coming wait, from. And did the, I say that right? I think you did. It is. It's very understandable that her reasoning, she, her reasoning behind why she waited is very understandable. Yes. Because she's, 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 she, she has a drug addict for a daughter. She's been through a lot of shit. She's had, she's had a lot of pain. Her granddaughter. A lot. Yeah. She's raising her granddaughter. So her actions might not make sense to us. But if we put ourselves in her shoes, it probably makes perfect sense. And she is on record stating that she it, she has that one regret of not reporting her missing sooner. And we'll get into why that regret haunts her. Let's back up and to that early morning hours. Red is seen around the 2 a.m. mark sitting on a bench outside of the IHOP where Tiffany had worked. Mm -hmm. A waitress that knew Tiffany and Red both approached him and asked, Hey, Red, what are you doing? And he states to her, Tiffany ran out of the Walmart and I'm looking for her. She tells authorities that she finds this extremely odd because he's just sitting on the bench holding a cell phone. She even states to him when he tells her, I'm looking for her. How are you looking for her if you're sitting on this bench? He tells her that he has called some friends to come pick him up and they are going to look for her. Again, that's a huge red flag. That's a huge what the fuck. Yeah. And the, and the waitress even stays. she actually encourages him to call her. Right. And he says, I can't. And holds up her phone. Because I have her cell phone. Yeah. So she does not have anything. No. No ID. No money. No shoes. No cell phone. Nothing. No. And Red would state to authorities and to the, uh, the person that wrote the Esquire article that he did not go directly back to his truck because he was afraid that the cops were going to come to the Walmart and he knew he had drug paraphernalia and drugs in that truck. That makes sense. It does. And I'm not taking up for that piece of shit no, at all. not at all, but that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I will say that it has been confirmed through phone records that he did call a lot of people looking for Tiffany within the two weeks following that night or that early morning. He is even on record telling his parole officer that he's concerned about Tiffany's safety, that she has been missing. Well, I mean, you can't put a whole lot of stock into that. I mean, of course, he could be genuinely concerned or he'd just be covering his ass. Right. He could be creating an alibi. Exactly. Mr. Weinstein, who they borrowed the truck from, and that's another thing. They borrowed his truck to go to Walmart. Why the hell are you worried about shit in his truck? But anyway... I digress. <laughs> he is the person that Red's waiting for on when he's sitting on that bench outside of IHOP. Now, he is on record stating that Weinstein... <laughs> this is the best part of this whole thing. Weinstein is on record stating that Red would rather crop, climb a tree and tell a lie 
then stand on the ground and tell the truth. And he is quoted as saying that Red is so full of shit <laughs> and a habitual liar, but he believes that Red didn't have anything to do with Tiffany's disappearance. You can't say those two things in the same sentence. It's, 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 it's hard to say. It is extremely hard to, to say. To be truthful. But I think you're going to the character of this Red fella. So now we get into the police and the reaction of the Marietta Police Department, Cobb County Police Department, and we'll touch on your missing white woman syndrome. <laughs> and it's a weird thing, like it is, and I hate to be this way, but I see both sides of this case. When it when we come to the missing white woman syndrome, if you are blonde, blue-eyed, sorority, attractive, attractive middle class, upper class, you get a lot more publicity. Now, with that said, if you Google, well, Tiffany should have met that. That's what I was about criteria. to say. Because if you Google her, she's a very attractive young she's lady. Not a bad looking lady. She is blonde-headed, blue-eyed, whether that comes from a bottle or if that's natural. But she does not get the publicity. She does not get the publicity that... Uh, that she deserves. Yeah. So here's where we're getting with the missing white woman syndrome. And I, I'm not throwing shade. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with this. I'm not saying that one should be higher than the other one. But I go back to the Natalie Holloway case. How much publicity she got. A, a ton. Yeah. But she was also a teenager. Yeah, and Tiffany is mid-20s. But at the same time, though, here's my thing. And we may get some hate mail, which, hell, we're not getting any mail, so who gives a shit? Uh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Here's my thing. And the more I do this, the more we do this, the more I look into cases like this, Tiffany's a human being. Mm -hmm. She exactly. made some bad choices. She has a loving family. She has a grandmother that's willing to put her neck out. She has a mother that is concerned for her. She has a daughter. She's made some bad choices. She's in a situation that is regrettable. That does not make her any less of a person deserving the same amount of respect that other people would get just because she is hooked on drugs. I agree. I agree. I agree 100%. Like, Mark it down, people. There shouldn't be, but there shouldn't be any white, missing white woman syndrome anyway. We should take all the cases as seriously as possible. Yeah, we should. But the the world we live in as far as media is concerned is you know the, the old saying if it bleeds it leads and they're going to sensationalize certain cases and they're going to go out of their way to make they're after ratings they are you know and unfortunately you know most cases involving adults young adults who have checkered drug pass the police are just not real quick to look into it. First of all, on the police side, she's of legal age of where if she wanted to disappear, she has she that God-given right. right. Yeah, you're right. You know? And Lisa is on, 
Shit. I mean, I've I'm always, creating my own language. It is I've called always, bearded Irish slash red hair. I've always dreamed of disappearing, to be honest with you. I mean, if I didn't have my wife and, and my mother. Yeah, if something ever happened to my wife and my son, I'm out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I just deuces. I mean, I'm yeah. out. I'm just going to go. Ted know. Kaczynski. And, I'm not melling. No, 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 I'm not melling pop bombs, but I'm Ted Kaczynski in the middle of nowhere. Well, I may end up. You know, being a bartender in the middle of Hot Springs, Arkansas, or somewhere like that, and just saying, you fuck it, you know? I agree. But Lisa would state that the first detective that she talks to basically tells her that her daughter is a drug addict, and she is on parole, and she'll turn up after she gets off this bender, or if she gets arrested. And unfortunately... You know, that's just the hard truth reality of the situation. That does not excuse the fact that you do not tell a mother that. Um, Lisa is furious. And she is on record stating that she contacts the chief of police and gets the chief's secretary. And the chief's secretary explains to her, here is the chain of command. If you exhaust this chain of command, you call me back today and I will set you up an appointment to physically have a sit down with the chief. Uh, Lisa starts dialing the the chain of command. Uh, She goes all the way up until she hits a major. And he echoes basically the same line that the initial police officer has stated to her but in their conversation lisa states that he mentions that he has a daughter or two daughters of his own so lisa uses that to her advantage and she states that there was a long pause and she says sir what if this was your daughter what if she had been missing for four months and you just now found out about it and she said there was an extremely long pause, an uncomfortable pause, and it was kind of a low sentence. Ma'am, I'll get back with you. Someone will contact you. And then he hangs up. And she states that within a couple of hours, the phone rings and she is speaking with Detective Johnny Moeller and Detective Moeller states that within the first couple of minutes of conversing with Lisa, that she, Detective Moeller, knew something was not right in this case. Now, we are looking at a case that was basically cold when it dropped on Detective Moeller's desk. I mean, you're looking at a case of a missing person that's four months old in the podcast of sworn. I think it's the, um, assistant DA that states that the TV show first 48, while it is sensationalized, has a lot of truth in it. If they had been able to grab this case within the first two days, this whole outcome would have been dramatically, dramatically different. So Detective Moeller states that when she first 
gets wind of the case that she is dealing with a four-month-old cold case. And the only reason that Walmart had the security video of Tiffany is because they keep all videos related to shoplifting, just in case they have to prosecute. And I cannot stress this enough. All of the video outside of Walmart basically does not exist once Detective Moeller gets the case. Yeah, well, that's because of the, the time frame that she was reported missing. Yes, they keep the, the recordings of the shoplifting, but the outside, the, the outside of Walmart, the other businesses, if there's nothing reported, within at least two weeks, that footage is going to be taped over. Yeah, because and they don't have the they don't have the resources to save everything. No, and I think the other thing is that people think that oh well, hell, there's all these businesses and there's just you know we can just go pick up this uh, security footage. No, most businesses you're looking at maximum of two months, and it starts recording over what was two months old. Mm-hmm. Two months, two weeks, it it all depends on what their settings are. Right, and it goes back to the fact that if they had gotten this... If she would if she, if she had been reported, been reported missing right. yeah. sooner. Yes. Now, again, we will post the coordinates slash Google Maps of the actual Walmart Supercenter. If she runs to the right out of the exit, she is running towards... Cobb Parkway, which is also US-41, you're running towards a Chick-fil-A, you're running towards a Sonny's Barbecue, a Sam's Club, an AutoZone, a Sears Outlet, and the IHOP that she actually was fired from. the actual IHOP that she was fired from. I say this because if she runs to the left, there is... No security cameras. You are running into a residential setting. You are running into a neighborhood. You're running into a park. You're looking at basically three quarters of a mile before you even hit a business that may have a security camera. I don't know. You know, we all, you're just looking at which way is she running. I have a feeling that she would have run to the right towards the IHOP. I think she would have run towards something that she felt was familiar. I agree with that, but you never know. No, you I never mean, know. You never know. You, you, do, you do not know. And the other thing that you don't know is in that situation, you're on a state road. Uh, Interstate 75 is 200 yards from that state road. Someone sees... An attractive female running. Hey, do you need help? Yes, I need help. Get in. I'll take care of you. And then, unfortunately, Atlanta is the world's, and I cannot, you know, stress this enough, the world leader in sex trafficking. Really? Yes. I are you? Uh, I am a hundred percent serious. Well, you think that's because of the airport? No, I don't know what it's for, but I have unfortunately, in my current position, had to go through many trainings, and from the age of fourteen to the age of twenty-five, 
you are more likely to be sex trafficked in Atlanta than you are anywhere else in the world. Really? And it is extremely, extremely scary. Wow. I this is I I did not know that. It and is, I am I'm blown away by that. It's crazy. And I, I, I was too when it first came to my attention, I would have said there's no way in hell that Atlanta was, you know, the world leading sex trafficking. It's got to have something to do with the airport. I mean, we do have the. I would agree. We have the largest airport in the world. I would agree. You know, we get into all the hypothetical situations there, but let's go. You know, let's circle back and go back to the police situation and the video, basically. You know, you're just lucky you have any video evidence of her existence because you're looking at a four month. If she she did not happen to shoplift that night, you're not going to have any footage at all. No. And I mean, we have to we have to assume that whatever happened to her. I mean, you, you can take the track that she fleed because of the shoplifting. She didn't want to go back to jail or whatever. And then whatever happened, happened, but it's just, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I know uh, this is extremely a frustrating case because of the fact there's so many what ifs. Yeah. And and we know that they're going to turn their eyes towards Red or Ashley. They're going to suspect him of... They're going to suspect him that he murdered her or whatever, and they're actually going to search his property or his grand whatever property it was. It was I believe it was his grandmother's property. Yeah, grandmother's property. Yeah, they're going to something. dig up the backyard. They're not going to find anything, but they're going to suspect him completely of her murder. And he, he's actually going to go, uh, go to prison for, what, 10 to 20 years because of when they did on an unrelated raid he actually was caught with a bunch of meth and a bunch of drugs and all that kind of things so he's going to get what I, I believe 20 years in prison yeah minimum of 10 served yeah minimum of 10 served he's actually in prison right now yes and i've seen that separate reports of where he's actually serving that i think that i could piss on the jail that he's sitting at from wow, where really? i yeah really where, I, where i'm employed let's get into that situation because <sighs> I hate to say this, but it's almost a perfect storm when it comes to poor Tiffany's case because you have the four-month time frame. You have the the unfortunate situation of the security cameras. But like you said, it's not until after a drug bust in March of 2014. So you're looking at three months after she's reported missing that police get a search warrant to look at the house in Powder Springs, which is a suburb of Marietta. Well, I mean, a suburb of Atlanta. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much everything is a suburb, suburb of, of Atlanta, Atlanta these yeah. days. Yeah. But basically, they get a search warrant to look at the house that she was last known to be living at with Red, and this is his mother's house. Now, the search warrant is not issued to search his mother's house and his grandmother's house until July 2014. You know, it, again, we go back to that perfect storm of just 
fucked up shit. Yeah, it really is. And, and I'm not throwing shade on the on the police at all. They are behind the eight ball when they get this case. Yeah, they are for, doing the best they can. That's why. And when you listen to the the podcast, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, recommend. They talk about the first forty eight. You know that show, the first forty eight on A and E. It's so important. The first forty eight hours of any type of crime is vital. So when you're first hearing about a crime four months after it occurs, there's literally nothing. There's not going to be anything you can find. It's going to be extremely difficult to find anything. Yeah, and and I will say this. Cobb County does a great job. The city of Marietta, whoever is championing this this situation, they bring in cadaver dogs to both either mom's house or grandmother's house and there's no hits and they they also bring cadaver dogs around the walmart yeah and they search a wide radius around walmart and there's no hits at all either red is sentenced to 20 years (laughs) with a minimum of 10 to serve for possession of a firearm by a felon and Possession of meth with intent to distribute in a neighboring county, which is Cherokee County, mm-hmm. in 2015. I think this is a rabbit hole that the police did chase. I championed them on the fact that they chased it. I think this goes to their credibility. Sometime in 2015, a meth informant tells police that Red and some of his friends had driven up to Lake Altoona, which is a lake north of Atlanta, which is north of Marietta. And they had thrown a concrete-filled barrel off the Bethany Bridge. This informant describes damage to the actual bridge because of the barrel being thrown off. The uh, new detective in the case, Mike Freer, takes this extremely serious. He calls in the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. They bring in sonar. They find a large object, basically 40 feet underwater. The State Patrol divers would actually go down and look for this hit that the DNR found. Unfortunately, the object on sonar is basically just a large chunk of concrete from the construction of the bridge. And... We all know, if you live in Georgia, if you're going to dump a body, you do not go to Lake Altoona. That motherfucker gets low. You go to Lake Lanier. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Because it's haunted, too. Oh, man. There's a there's so many corpses in Lake Lanier, it's not even funny. They flooded a town. <laughs> <laughs> they did. but that, They did. But that has nothing to do with the amount of corpses there. But there is a shit ton of corpses in Lake Lanier. There is. The Esquire article. And this is in 2016. Okay. And this is Mr. Tom Genode. I'm pretty sure I didn't pronounce that right. Well, given your track record. Yeah, I'm brutalizing the English (laughs) language. He states that he is interested in this case because of the missing white woman syndrome. He also believes that cases like this are neglected in the media due to 
the person's past. He interviews everyone associated with this case from the Walmart uh, loss prevention officers all the way to Red to the current cold case detective. Now, I will say Mr. Genode did catch Red in two lies. The first one, Red states to him that when she yells for him at the Walmart, that he pulls a knife and sticks it beside his leg because he's afraid that they're trying to hurt her. And on the video, you can see clearly his hands are on the buggy. Yeah, and he also... He's so full of shit. He also brags to friends that that's what happened, that he threatened the the security officers with a knife and they back down because he's such a badass. Yeah, and he throws gang signs. I think yeah. there's a couple of articles that reference that he's probably 135 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I'm thinking he's Bubba's boy. Yeah. The second lie that Mr. Genode catches him in is that... He read, states that he calls Tiffany's phone shortly after she disappeared. But according to the lady at the IHOP, dumbass was holding her phone. So how the fuck are you calling her phone if you have it in your hand? And also, phone records don't lie. So the phone records do not show him calling her at all. Well, and... I think there's an article or a Wikipedia or Reddit, something. There's something out there that states that Stupid was charging his own phone in the truck that he borrowed from Weinstein. Maybe we could get Methmouth Judy to talk to Methhead Red. <laughs> and maybe they could, in some kind of crazy language, decipher each other. I doubt it, but we could try. Probably not. <laughs> now, I will say this, and we are on a tangent. Kylie has been under the weather, and Coach has had to go to Kroger two times to find uh, the beer of the week. Um, We hope that Kylie gets over the uh, back-to-school funk. We're wishing Kylie all the best. She is a lovely soul, but, you know, she is human, and she runs a beer stand by herself with her dog. A chocolate lab. Okay, I digress. Now, let's go back to Dumbass Red. According to his first account, he states... He's so stupid. He states that he that she left her phone in her handbag, which Walmart has. So how the fuck are you calling her stupid if either A, you have it in your hand, or B, Walmart has it in the purse? Maybe he don't know that. Maybe he didn't know that it was in her purse. Maybe he was so high. You want to get high? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, well, he is on the drug us. Yes, he is on the meth. Now, uh, the waitress at IHOP stated that he did show her a phone and said that it was Tiffany's when he was sitting on the bench outside of IHOP. Uh, Red's phone records do not... Do not, do not show that he called Tiffany's phone 
either that day or any day after. Hmm. Any day after. That's interesting. Unless he really did have it in his possession. And with that epiphany, we get into the biggest what the fuck of the entire case. And according to Tiffany's half-brother, Blake, five days after his birthday, approximately four months after she went missing, so we're around that January time frame, he gets a Facebook message wishing him a happy birthday. Now, this is definitely the biggest what-the-fuck moment because... Not only because what happens here, but the fact that every re- everything we researched about this case pretty much ignores this. They don't even talk about it. They mention it in passing, but this is by far the most important thing about this case. He receives a Facebook message from her. And then he also receives a phone call from an from a number that he does not recognize, but when he picks it up, it's her. According to him, it's her. And she refers to him on the phone call by a nickname that only she knew. She refers to him as Mudbug. And wishes him a happy birthday. How can this not be the main subject of any article, any podcast, any news report? How can this not be the main thing we're talking about? Because it throws everything into question. It does, and... Lisa says she kind of throws this to the side, stating that she feels like in her gut, mother's intuition, that this is Red trying to create an alibi. And I With can, the Facebook Messenger. I'm not saying about the phone call. Well, um, yeah. I, the Facebook, me- if, if it was just the Facebook Messenger, I would agree with you 100%. That's Red. He has her phone. You have her phone. If you have her phone, you have access to her Facebook. You use her Facebook to create an alibi. I I would agree with that 115%. But you have the stepbrother saying it was her. It was her on the phone. She you she I I recognize the voice. I recognize the nickname. I recognize everything. So, if it wasn't Tiffany, who was it? Right, I think this is, like I stated, this is the biggest what the fuck. Absolutely, it is definitely, by far, the biggest what the fuck of this case. And Now, Blake would go on to state that this came, this phone call phone call came through a weird return number, almost like she was trying to ghost him. Um, he well, almost let it go unanswered and go to voicemail, but he decided, what the fuck, I'm going to answer Well, it. it could also be a like a, a Facebook Messenger call. Yeah, I, forget, you, I had forgotten on, about if that. If you're on Wi-Fi, 
if you're on Wi-Fi, you could use Facebook Messenger to call people, and it was a random number. So it could have been that. So are we saying that Red got a somebody that sounded just like Tiffany to call, and somehow he knew the nickname, which is possible. It's possible that Red knew the nickname Mudbug. I'm not going to deny that. But, yeah, I wouldn't either. But here's the thing: is every the weird the weirdest part to me, which I found interesting is that when we researched this everything we researched just basically pushed this off to the side like it didn't matter yeah how does this not matter i found that extremely weird does this not matter how is this not the most important part of this case she's been missing for four months but yet calls her brother strange Extremely strange. Or it's an imposter calling her brother. But, I mean, it's almost, it's not even, in the two main articles that I researched, it's not even mentioned. It doesn't matter. That's crazy. That's crazy. It is crazy. And I will say this, that Lisa has gone on record, and even the assistant DA has gone on record that, Lisa will chase down any lead. There has been rumors that she is in South Dakota with a new life. There are rumors that she is in a shallow grave in northern Cobb County. It's just weird. Now, I will say that both Janode and Lisa believe that Blake is not lying. They are just not sure that he's extremely accurate with his recollection. They did report it to the police. Police did pull phone records, but if the phone call was made through Facebook Messenger like you suggested, there's no record of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, that's the case. I mean, there's just a whole lot of what the fucks. Before we go any further, before we get into our theories, I want to go ahead and explain to our our listeners that if you know of anyone that have that has heard of this if you have any information please please call the Marietta Police Department tip line at 770-794-6990 you can also contact detective Michael Freer he is the lead detective on this cold case now at 770-794-5477. If you want to be extremely anonymous, you can call the Atlanta Crime Stoppers at 404-577-TIPS. If you don't want any record of a phone call, you can actually write a letter, address it to Detective Michael Freer, F-R-E-E-R, care of the... Marietta Police Department, 240 Lemon Street, Marietta, Georgia, 30060. Now, we get into our theories. My theory is this, and I hate to say this. I have two theories. My first theory is she ran. She ran, she hid. Red goes to IHOP, 
creates an alibi. He comes back to the truck. That's where Weinstein comes to pick him up. He sees Tiffany, and he does something to Tiffany. My second theory is she runs across Cobb Parkway, which is 41, somehow makes it all the way to 75, and she's picked up, and she is either A, trafficked, or she unfortunately meets her demise. But how do you explain the phone call? I know, that that's the biggest... I don't know. I I don't know. Minnie Me has stated that she could have tried to have hitchhiked and just shitty luck, you know, accepted a ride from someone. She's high because of the video in the Walmart stating that she is acting strange. Whoever picked her up propositions her. That proposition goes wrong. They murder her, and unfortunately, she's uh, Jane Doe somewhere. You know, that's just as much a theory as ours. Well, I mean, when you look at that, you have to you have to dismiss the phone call. I know, and I, I don't want to dismiss the phone call because I feel like her brother is sincere in the fact that he heard her voice. Yeah. So if the phone call happens, which I believe it did, I don't I don't know of any reason why he would lie about that. So I believe the phone call occurred. So it's either her or someone who sounds like her. So if it's someone who sounds like her, that is 100% foul play with a deep connection to the family. I'm going to blame Red... But I don't have any way to connect it to him. I don't have anything. No, and we're in the camp that the police are in. You know, the police feel like he either A, did it, or he has some specific knowledge of what happened. There's a possibility that, you know, Red stated that he was waiting on Weinstein to pick him up. Weinstein had stated that he and his girlfriend went to pick up Red could the girlfriend sound like Tiffany? I mean, maybe. 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 I mean, I just think this is an an extreme case of the domino effect. She's behind the eight ball because she's a drug addict. She's behind the eight ball because she runs out of the Walmart. She's behind the eight ball because she's gone on benders before for months at a time. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, unfortunately, and just like Lisa has stated in several interviews, she feels like Tiffany is not alive. Mm. And unfortunately, she has to relay that information to her granddaughter to Tiffany's daughter. At the end of the whole situation, my heart goes out to Lisa. You know, I would hate to know as a parent that you you can't explain to your grandchild what happened to her mother. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Miss Boyette, the grandmother of Tiffany, has passed since Tiffany went missing. Tiffany's daughter 
knows that her grandmother, great-grandmother, has gone on to heaven, but she is of the, of the age that she's starting to ask questions about where her mother's at. And that is a hard situation to put Miss Lisa in. Absolutely. At the end of the day, I think this is one of the more frustrating cases that we have talked about in our short, great <laughs> uh, history. I just, I don't know, I, my heart breaks for, for Lisa. My heart breaks for Tiffany, really. And like a lot of people, a lot of previous podcasts, a lot of articles, if you know anything, if you if you had heard Tiffany's name and you heard some kind of rumor, please reach out to those detectives, to the Marietta Police Department, to the Cobb County Police Department. You know, you may feel like it's nothing, but it may be the key moment that breaks this case open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how these cases are solved. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like it's real minute things. Little tiny things you think don't matter, but when you bring them to light and people investigate, things things come out. So, yeah. I just, you know, we tried, you know, when we sat down and we come up with the premise of this whole podcast, we wanted to shed a light on Georgia I feel like this is one of the 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 saddest cases that we've touched on just because of the unknown. I mean, she was a a young lady, mid-20s. Unfortunately, she was in the drug scene. But fortunately, she had a family that cared about her. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, she did, but four months later. I, I mean, know. That, that's, that's, that's just great. Thing. I know, but... That is, I mean, we can, it's we hard. Can, we can, we can sympathize. We haven't been through that, but we can sympathize. So we can't empathize, but we can sympathize with her mom. She, she was probably put through the ringer. She was, her. and we can, and you know, and and like everybody says, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can sit here and second guess her mother's every waking moment Absolutely. leading up to that. Absolutely. And I, I don't think there is any nefarious ulterior motive in Lisa's actions I think unfortunately despite her best efforts of raising her child the best way she knew you know her daughter just got dealt a bad hand yeah I mean she was stealing things at a very young age before it was you know we, we you want to talk about nature versus nurture I mean, she was showing signs of being a kleptomaniac well before she could even understand what she was doing. Yeah, and I I go back to the fact that, you know, Walmart, she stole a a pair of fucking flip-flops from Walmart, and that's what got her ass in jail. Mm -hmm. And she was clean for a while. And, you know, we've referenced uh, that podcast, and they interview one of her friends from middle school that they kind of crossed paths when they were both getting clean, you know, again, life's full of choices. Unfortunately, Tiffany made the choice to chase the high. Yeah, she did. She really did. But even so, even though that's, that's a fact, 
that doesn't explain what happened. That's the craziest part. Is she was chasing a high. She was chasing pleasures, but it still doesn't explain where she went. Where she went. And it's happened. Just it's so bad. It just doesn't explain it. It doesn't explain it. And you know, you talk about the perfect storm of of just shitty situations. And what the what ifs in this case will drive you crazy. Mm -hmm. And I commend Lisa for keeping her sanity. I think it was on the sworn podcast where people ask her, how do you keep going? And she states, I have a granddaughter. I have two other kids. I have a husband. She has to keep going. She has to keep going. That's what she said. Yeah, she stated, I have to keep going. You know, if she didn't, she would die. Yeah. You know, and and I really, I don't know Lisa personally. I, I feel like that if there are saints among us, Lisa is one because... She has done everything in her power. She has chased every lead. Whether she believes it or not, she will not rest until she finds Tiffany. And I commend her on that. I commend the fact that um, if you contact Cobb County, if you contact Marietta, they will tell you, yes, this is a cold case by definition, but... This is a case that will not collect dust. No, not at all. All right. With that said, we get into our recommendations. I think we're both going to recommend the same thing here tonight. Yeah. I think we're going sure. to recommend the Sworn Podcast. I think we're going to recommend the Esquire article. And I think at the end of the day, I think you just, as a parent, you go home. You hug your child a little harder. If you're not a parent and you have a younger cousin or a sibling or someone in your family like that that is going through a tough time, I think you reach out to them and you just tell them, hey, you know, I'm here whether or not you need me or anything like that. Yeah. So, I mean... Please, if you're interested in this case, go listen to the Sworn Podcast about Tiffany Witten. They have three episodes. They have part one, part two, and then final thoughts. I recommend all three. Yeah, absolutely. Part three, uh, part one and two, they're, they cover what who is dealing with the case now. And then part three is who was dealing with the case at the very beginning. And they, I mean, they interview... Everyone involved. I mean, it's it's very good. They interview the mom. They interview the, the DA. They interview the police chief. They interview everyone. They took a lot more time to get uh, information than we did. But my quarrel with it is be, they, they don't even really touch on the phone call. Touch on that phone call. I mean, that phone call really is, to me, the key of the case. And whether it's true, whether it's, it's not, you have to if, exhaust that well, avenue. Absolutely. But if if we assume that that is really her that calls, if that's really her that calls, then this case spirals into so many what the fucks. That's not even funny. 
Because A, that means she's, A, she's still alive. B, she's still missing. She hasn't come forward. Where is she? What is she doing? But C, she has enough sense to know that her half-brother had a birthday. Well, I mean, absolutely. It, I mean, if that phone call's real, what the fuck is going on? If it's not real, who the fuck was it? Why did they call? Why did they pretend to be her? What was behind that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It is crazy. This is, you know. But the most crazy part about about that phone call is how everything we researched didn't, they just didn't dis- care. No, they, they dismissed it completely. <laughs> There's only maybe the Esquire article, maybe the Wikipedia page that even referenced it. Yeah. And I'll tell you another thing. This is what's so weird about this case is usually, I mean, if a gnat farts three counties away (laughs) in eastern Washington, there's a Reddit thread about it. If you go to Reddit, you go to missing persons, you go to unsolved murders, you go to unresolved mysteries, there is absolutely no hits on this case. It is three. Yeah, it, Three. it it's mind-boggling. Oh, Reddit, that's crazy. It is crazy. I don't know. I I just feel like, you know, this was a case that I chose that was on my my list when we first started this podcast. And, I had no idea. And to be honest, when you suggested it, I'd never heard of it, and I started researching it. I said to myself, "Well, this is stupid." Yeah, Red did it. Case closed. Why is he even? And then I was like, wait a minute. I kept reading. And I was like, wait a minute. It's crazy. That man. phone call. That phone call changes everything. Well, I think I go back to not recommendations, not theories, but I think I go back to whether this happened in our state, whether this happened in Canada, Mexico, whatever. I think we can all find a Tiffany in our past. I think there's someone that we've either worked with, like you and I talked about being teachers. There's a Tiffany that we've dealt with. Mm -hmm. You just hope that you have created enough influence in their life that they seek the help. I think that's why it resonates with me the most. Yeah. The fact that, We've seen people that we saw the the path they were going down, and we tried to intervene. Yeah, and we've both had successes and failures. Failures, both. Yeah, in that that aspect. I think we hang on the successes, but this case made me as a as an educator revisit those failures. Yeah, you know, and that that's a hard pill hard. to swallow. Yeah, you know. What if? I think those what ifs really resonated with me during this whole case. Absolutely. Because Tiffany, I could put Tiffany's name on six people that I've taught in my 18 years. All right. We get to the functor scale because we're not going to let this episode go by without <laughs> referencing in the old functor scale. Uh, yeah. How, how, how could we possibly forget it? An entire episode, we forgot it. 
<laughs> Maybe we did it before. <laughs> All right, we get to the fucker scale, and Mini Me has officially taken credit for keeping up with this one, and he says we come in with a strong 14. That's not too bad. No, I mean, with a true crime, missing person slash, eh, she could have been murdered. I think that's a that's a good standard. <laughs> Mini Me has stated, and this is a little internal, and hopefully somewhere inside, we all look at this. Uh, Mini Me stated that uh, I'm crying inside because I'm angry at myself for not listening to my parents when they said they were there for me. I think that if they choose to listen to this case because of what they believe, that it may make a difference. And I think that resonates with, a. hopefully that resonates with a lot of our listeners. All right, um, Coach, I know it's uh, your turn at bat next week. Well, what we got in store? Well, I, I, I uh, I've got who something. cares what you got? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I think I got another one with uh, no death in it. Uh, pretty weird ass case coming out of Tennessee, but uh, I haven't exactly. You mean like Tennessee, as in bearded iris? Well, Tennessee. As much as we love that bearded iris, we may have to touch upon it again. But that's from Nashville. What I'm going to be talking about is from Memphis. So blues, Elvis. Well, you never Lucille? know. Lucille. When we talk, when we hit bearded iris the first time, it was a, a Knoxville case. So who knows? We may have to cover uh, bearded iris again. But stay tuned. And we'll see what we will see what, what it is. You never know. I may change my mind. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, you got anything else, sir, Coach? I sure don't. All right. Well, well, like everybody else in the uh, great mysterious brews family, a deuces.